Good day, good morning, good afternoon. Um, welcome to The Motoring Historian with uh, John Summers and Mike Gammy. Um, Mark, it's episode eight. Man. Popular demand keeps us coming back, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it does, it does. I, I a needy believe... viewer or listener or whatever it is. Well, I I, uh, I I confess it's been a month or so since I last looked at the stats, but 112 episodes have been downloaded the last time I looked. Probably yeah. 100 of them's me testing, but there's still 12 <laughs> there that is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, moving on to our structured talk track, because we are organized Produced, yeah. yeah yeah and we're also but we also don't pretend like there's not a talk track like so many of these other podcasters do because you know when the microphone's in the room the story that you tell is different isn't it um uh we texted didn't we about goodwood um let's just talk a little bit about the experience that you had this last weekend um because you and i went to the revive went to the festival is it the one where it's up his driveway and and that's festival speed, that, yeah. that is a good event but that is not on the same page as the full-on balls out racing on the track just like it was in the 1960s and the full everybody dressed up to get in the paddock um i i remember i went to the first couple of those kind of meetings in the early 2000s before i moved um awesome motoring events yeah oh mate yeah yeah i saw an ad one of the things they sent out um an email a couple of days before said something about it um as the sort of the best motoring meeting in the world and um, I mentioned that to my boss, who's Canadian, and his son's a sports journalist, mainly covering hockey because he's Canadian, uh, ice hockey rather, um, but some other sports as well. And he's into his cars and his sim racing and stuff. And he said, that's a very American thing to say, to sort of brag, but it's the best of the world. And I said, yeah, that is right. A bit like the Super Bowl being the world championship for one country. But nonetheless, you know, they are the best of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's... I, it's the members meeting, not the revival. So with no one's in period dress, but that's, and there's less people there, but the racing is the racing and you go for, you know, you go, it's, it's so cool. I mean, you can go there and see the cars being thrashed around um, and then wander, you know, wander under the tunnel and into the pits and see those cars that were just thrashed around, ticking themselves cool with the people still driving around and putting, you know, tires on them and things like that. And you can just walk right up, you know, you, know, you could see them go out onto the track and everything. So, um, it's it, after the spending the day there, it is difficult to argue. I can't, I couldn't, I was trying to think of it the other way around. What would I rather, if I could have go to any other meeting, would I prefer to go to any other meeting, any other days racing? And no, I wouldn't. I mean, the members meeting is the best. It's it, it, for me, you know, specifically, you know, for what I'm looking for, for racing, which is beautiful cars and old cars and interesting cars thrashed about properly with proper competitive racing with, with, with a sort of gentlemanly spirit to it. So it's, you know, there the are hardly any crashes. You know, there's a bit of crashes from oversteering or exuberant driving, but there's there's no real sort of banging of fenders and things like that between them. They're, they're shoving it up the inside when there's a, you know, cigarette papers gap and things like that still. But uh, 
very little it all done with a sort of you know handshake afterwards kind of you know classic sort of stuff um so yeah it is difficult to argue it, it is the best um and we, we had a great day full stop i mean we went uh, my wife's waiting for another operation she's got limited mobility at the moment so you know that'll give her a new lease of life but so we're game we're strolling in from the car park in the morning and the little two of the horn as i look in uh as angie's getting a stick out of the, uh, the back seat um and it's an old lady oh well, that's an old lady a, a, a mature lady in uh, a an aston martin sportage leaning out the window so it, it, with goodwood mobility team written on the side saying would you like a lift so oh well thanks very much so spare us the i don't know 800 yard walk or something in which for my wife at the moment is a bit of a she's doing it it's a bit of a struggle but she wouldn't miss it for the world um and just whisked in dropped inside separate entrance there you go sir certainly so can i scan your little your little because of course there's no ticket the, the ticket is the little enamel metal badge on a little um on a little piece of a bit of a cord and on the back they've got the little uh, the, the little code that you, they just scan you in so you've got a nice little memento afterwards nothing so a um a foe as a, as an actual piece of paper oh, no, i don't, don't need to bother with that um but yeah so it, it was amazing and i mean so the racing was spectacular um uh, so when it, i went to uh when i you know i was a docent at the black hole well, i guess a slammer docent at the, at the black hole museum but certainly years ago we used to have a, a director tim mcgray english bloke um and he uh would because he was well connected would uh, he did like this speaker series and it was people like howden ganley who like raced formula one and can-am or vic elford or we had brian redmond so all guys from kind of tim's era and a lot of them englishmen who lived in america because tim's an englishman who lives who lives in america he does the m1 concourse now i'll do a uh for anybody listening it's worth looking at that concourse. anything tim does is is really cool and not for nothing like me his first car was a cortina his was a 1600e i think it was a somewhat newer than uh than mine was mine were 10 years old when and i had them so uh but yeah and it, i the old um uh tin when we had these speakers would always say to them if you could do he had these questions if you cannonball right if you were going to drive across america what would you drive would you cannonball would you just cruise and everybody was like cruise and had different ideas about what they'd want to cruise in Another question was any event that you could go to anywhere in the world, any point in time, what would it be? And I reckon probably half the time people were like Goodwood Revival. Yeah, I mean, it, I like the members. I see where you like the members meeting, though, because it's like, you know, you don't have to bother with the dressing up. It's just there with the motor racing. So you can just go along and just be you and be immersed in a world. And, and you know, for me, right, when I think about what's special about Goodwood, it's what's special about Vintage Sports Car Club events as well. I'm not saying there aren't events like this in, in America. I feel, you know, Bonneville's like this, this, this where you can walk right up to the cars, where you can see the cars really closely and where fundamentally, if you wanted to be a butt monkey, steal tools, get in guys way, ask the driver dickheaded questions, you could do all those things, but there's a culture there that you don't do that. 
and and yeah, the the events are uh, are awesome uh, because of it. Um, yeah, I, so I about the um, just a bit of sort of a soft stuff around the outside. It was just a beautifully good, a very good wood thing to have happen, just to be extra chauffeured in because your wife's struggling a bit. Yeah, and you know that it's not just any old car it's an aston martin because it's goodwood of course so, what yeah, is the sportage I it's a sort of a suv clear. it's aston's suv oh, really? that's what it's like to me yeah um i think i mean nice enough <laughs> i mean i mean it's in the back of I mean, it for about like, five minutes so old old johnny smith i had he had a tweet this week that was like uh about the hurricane about how he, not the hurricane the urus the anus he was like, I couldn't have an anus in my life. He was like hating on the anus, right? And and you know, there's been general hating on big SUVs because BMW have done this like 785 horsepower or 738 foot pounds or so, some bonkers, stupid Rivian eating SUV, right? Um, I, you know, well, you know, I, I'm disappointed by BMW's direction as well, I'm just gonna say, but you know, this is a uh a separate um point where were we where was i going before i got distracted by the rivians and we were talking about oh, being the, aston, the, aston. the kia the aston martin kia sportage um sportage 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 shooting brake um, yeah. look all of these things they're bollocks until you lean on them and then when you lean on them you're like geez this thing does it all like it's easy to hate a cayenne when like it's like you're in your cheap mondeo looking at some soccer person in their you know suv in it in traffic and you're thinking what do you need your cayenne turbo with its 550 horsepower for that no right what you need the cayenne turbo for is those i guess it was uh the the guy was uh he ran a green hedge fund when you could make money doing it long time ago met him at a party colleague like partner of a colleague of my wife's um he said to me he'd had three cayenne turbos in a row because there was nothing else that fitted in his parking garage had credibility at the country club and could get to tahoe and could like climb a hill that's what he said he can it can accelerate uphill at tahoe which is like in a low pressure environment where like the big V8s aren't that good in the snow. It's a monster and that kind of guy, you know, but for every one of those, you know, for every one bloke like that, there's a million of them that are Chelsea tractors. And, yeah. and you know, so maybe, maybe the answer is it ain't the shoe. It's how it's worn, right? That's that. I, I suspect. Yeah. And is it the right shoe for that foot, et cetera, but on the journeys that foot's taking, but. I mean, but uh, back to the racing. I mean, the racing was amazing. I mean, they, we, we watched, we were there on the Sunday. Um, you, get, you do obviously the Friday, the Saturday on the Sunday. Saturday's a couple of races, but it's largely qualifying. And some of the races are two-part races with Saturday, 40 minutes, and then Sunday, 40 minutes. And it's often gentleman driver and professional driver with a pit stop of, you know, uh, in between, in the one race and stuff. So, but yeah, the Moss Trophy standout moment for that cracking race. Uh, e-types and ac cobras with the cobra triumphing in the end but um there, i can't remember if it was that one or if it was the is the previous one but the previous race but there was a db4 coming along the lavin straight at one point and its front left tire exploded um completely carcass gone down onto the rim piercing sparks everywhere and it's coming towards us something like, he's not backing off really 
I mean, I'm going to wonder if he's going to spin. Is that that's the deal? Maybe he's worried about that. Mm, it didn't appear that way. And he just carried on in the gas, largely letting off. People were coming past him, but keeping to one side. And then sort of wove across the grass a bit onto the tarmac in front of the stand outside Woodcut that we were watching on the outside of the corner on the left. And then just drifted it past us on three into the marshals piece behind the tire wall. No problem. Five seconds of yellow flags, no stopped racing. Big round of applause from the crowd as the guy gets out and waves to the, waves to the, to the stands. Um, but the best race, if you want to watch one, was, well, for me, the one that I saw that I really enjoyed the most was, where is this? Um, the Edge, the SF Edge Trophy, which was... Tellwin Francis Edge. Yeah, it was a hard battle between a Sunbeam Indianapolis and a Dirac 200 horsepower. And, it, I mean, to say it went to the wire is understating it. Um, it was decided after the chicane on the last lap wow um, by 0.0 it was less it was like half a second or le it was less than half a second it was like 0.06 or something stupid um but yeah I, mean, I won't spoil it if you're gonna it's it's on youtube at the moment i mean and uh from what i recollect and i might be wrong about this good would do all the races or highlights of all the races for about a month or so afterwards and then they disappear off youtube again um because i know i can get access to them through the members Thing on the web page and i can one of the privileges you can watch the the, the all the full on boards and everything from um previous years and so so i watch it where you can is what i would say you know get on there and watch them because there's there's some corking stuff you just go to the grc page on youtube and it's all there um, but well yeah. worth it all. well i'll post the links even though they'll go dead for the uh for those avid well, the grc page will remain it's just some of the they they sort of trim out some of the full races after a while it would seem to me yeah no, that happened to me. I'd intended to go back and watch a live stream one time and only to find it had been taken down. And at the time I was like, oh, but then you realize, well, you know, it's that this, this will be a, a classic thing to charge for down the line. And it makes sense to to do that. And, you know, you've got to find a way to finance what you what you're doing. Um, yeah, the gentlemanly racing thing is is, I think, a feature of Goodwood and, and a feature of the way that motorsport used to be due to the lack of safety right that mm. that you you really made a point of showing respect for other people i think as a as a safety point and i think this is why people like sterling moss had such a hard time with guys like farina because farina raced in a way that didn't really have much respect for uh for, for the other people that you were against um edge sf edge really a bloke worth reading the wikipedia on the next time you're enthroned it's it's that kind of thing an early uh, early british motoring pioneer um there's a, a, a amazing book that i read when you could buy a copy for 20 pounds which you can't anymore sadly called 10 years of motors and motor racing published in 1905 and it's by a guy, just stop and think about that. 10 years of motors and motor racing published in 1905. And it begins by saying how sad the writer Jarrett is that the early pioneering days are gone. And basically the early pioneering days was when he and his buddy Edge, basic, who were cycle racers, basically could get these engines on their bikes as well. So then you could ride the bike down the hill at high speed and then run it up the hill 
on the other side, maybe pedaling, maybe leaping off and pushing. And, and then, you know, when at night, when you had punctures and things like that, you might not arrive at, you know, the publican's house until two o'clock in the morning. And then he rejects you because the horses don't like the smell of motorcycles, that kind of it's full of those kind of pioneer ad adventures edge was was that guy i believe you talk about uh the uh, a dirac 200 horsepower i think it's the i think i think there's only one <laughs> maybe i think it was a land speed record car oh yeah no it is yeah it's it's isn't it it's like a 26 liter v8 or something yeah um it's yeah. 1906 i think yeah and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the the indianapolis sunbeam was significantly a significantly later car oh yeah yeah it is this was it was the earliest car in the field it's got he used one gear the whole lap yeah yeah but the thing has a plane engine doesn't it yeah. so it has a whole whole bunch of torque yeah yeah, yeah. Torque. we should find video of of that if people aren't familiar with the 200 horsepower the, the rack it's uh it, it's really uh uh, a thing so i i have a you you well know mark i have a total soft spot for those early aero engine kind of i mean of, the beast from turin is in the same race every year yeah like in about eighth yeah. i think yeah so this i i believe i met a bloke in a pub many years ago who was building that car i believe it's uh it was a car that wasn't built and he got the plans for it and then found in a museum in Italy an engine, and then from then on it just turned into this uh, uh, crazy, uh, you know, thing that that project that was that was was completed. Um, yeah, so my dream of the air engine racing car that I had years ago at home in England, I feel it is actually coming to fruition. And and the reason that I say that is is I now have the shell. Of, of this gas or drag to the mercury and um, which as you know i've had for a decade or so but you know it's it's there that that's the shot i've had the back axle it's a state correct 70 bronco rear axle i have that and now i have this date correct 428 that sits in this giant destroyed thunderbird at the moment ready to be liberated and uh yeah, so perhaps the other update I, I should have is is Mark has spoken to a bloke down in El Segundo who has a business building top loaders because Mark is concerned that not just any Ford four-speed top loader is going to do. You have to have one that has the biggest input shaft, the most number of splines, and the most number of splines on the output shaft as well. Because otherwise, he he reckons this four twenty eight. I, I I don't know what the what the horsepower and torque figures were like from the factory, but Mark thinks with a a rebuild and a mild cam. With a rebuild and a mild cam, Mark thinks five hundred horsepower, which nice. you know that's going to be plenty, isn't it, for that Mercury, which has no interior and and for reference it's a 62 meteor um it's can we do it in can we take it to um speed week next year i mean next year maybe in the year in the year 25 25 you know no <laughs> I, at some point right yeah it, it's 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 potentially there 
Um, I will include a, a, a link to this uh, Falcon, which is built the way that it's going to be called the Hound Dog. Um, the, the Meteor is going to be called Position Eliminated, which was the way I was fired from my last job in the Valley. They can't actually tell you, you're shit at your job, you're fired. They have to say, we've eliminated your whole position. We're actually not going to do any kind of sales anymore. We've eliminated your whole position. I know you thought we were a software sales house, but we've eliminated your position as salesman. Position eliminated. The woman's name was Celia. And she is, without question, one of the most awful people I ever met in my life. I was probably an arrogant prick to her in fairness, but you know, I'm ready to go. I just confessed. I just confessed, didn't I? I just said, I may in some way have been responsible for Celia firing me. It was just possible that I might have been. Um, you said a dolomite was pissing oil when we were texting. My dad had a dolomite. I, you know what I remember about it? When I was a small boy, before I even moved to uh, uh, High Wycombe, um, when we lived in Gloucester, I uh, was having a fight with one of my friends. And uh, Dana's walking on the ceiling, giving us sound effects. I was having a fight with one of my friends, and I rolled and knocked this, I guess, this dry stone wall. Either way, a piece of dry stone wall fell 20 feet onto my dad's navy blue Triumph Dolomite and put this huge dent in the roof. My dad was really peed off at me to express it mildly. I always felt bad about that. I When I see a similar dent, I saw a similar dent in the hood of a car just recently, and it takes me right back to the guilt that I felt over uh, causing damage to, to this Dolomite. The one you saw was pissing oil at the trap. Yeah, although if you want to see sort of handsome damage, um then look no further than the uh i think they're still on at the moment at least the replay of uh the the race with the the camaro versus the jetane capri that got a proper front left clout but was still expertly pedaled round at maximum velocity um irrespective of its cosmetic roughage i saw a picture of it on uh, on twitter and uh, obviously, when it had been parked up, instead of just taking the fender off, they just rolled the fender out over the tire because the shape over the tire is perfect. But the fender's like totally wrinkled and it's lost the <laughs> headlight and the, the whole uh, that the whole peak. Dude, like, was... The guy, was, I mean, in the Moss Trophy, a guy in a hard top E type, um, lightweight E type, um, it comes up the eleventh straight, goes up, goes to take the guy on the inside. And then the guy didn't quite see him, so moved across a bit. So there was enough space, maybe, but he went onto the grass anyway. And he was coming away or not, so he, you know, passed it enough that he was going to be plenty past. So he, but he therefore couldn't break properly before Woodcock. Um, so he, when he got off the grass, he stamped on the brakes as hard as he could, and then was and then tried to tip it in on the line he'd need to be, and to, to drift it round, and the back came round on him, and he sort of double pirouetted around, and then. And again, off the brakes on the grass, back on the grass, brakes on the tarmac again, and rolled up to nerve, dink against the against the tire wall, and again smashed up the back a bit, bit of a 
recce round like from the from the from the driver's seat back in the race <laughs> no messing about racers be racers um will it start yep does it drive properly yep well i'm not even coming in carry on so it, it's it's full of that sort of stuff and it's um oh god seeing the old capris and stuff and that 19 bozzy 1982 or whatever it is that chap had a did you see that one today? He had a uh, Mugello. It's a video of um, the Zach Speed Capri, the bright yellow one, the Jägermeister one, is it? I think the bright orange one, sorry. Yeah. Um, Turbo Capri being rinsed around Mugello. Right? Yeah. Sounds fabulous. But it's lovely yeah. to see. Yeah, the um, uh, Zach Speed did uh, Mark I Capris as well, but they're known for like the Mark Three, which is like a seven, it was a 1.7 Turbo Four that made like. 600 horsepower or something it was some i'm not a dtm newton kind of uh kind of a thing it's, it's, yeah it's, um, and i mean and look i mean we talked a bit about over the email about over the WhatsApps rather about um that 935 the body kit on that zach speed capri is similar in the sense that it is stepped out as shit from the side of the car at the bottom to create those sort of hovercraft like skirts on the side and boy oh boy does it make it look punchy we we really should pause and and pay tribute to um what DTM was conceived to be, which was this this sort of Formula One of saloon car racing where anything goes, where they they created something that was close almost closer to NASCAR than our own BTCC, where even in the eighties, do you remember the you know the great the era of Cleland? that they, those Cavaliers were limited to eight and a half thousand RPM, you know, to keep the horsepower down, you know, so you, you couldn't like, there was no like building a really racy engine to give you more power. They literally, you know, kept the tires narrow and the, the, the playing field very level. So tell me, before we move on from, uh, from Goodwood, um, what was the best car you saw in the car park? Not in the event when you were just walking in, you mentioned the Aston oh, Martin. Oh, the car park. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what would you want to... Yeah. There was a gunmetal 550. I didn't look to see if it was on a stick. But if it was, that. All right. Good answer. So answer me this. Moving on to, uh, moving on to my uh, recent couple of weeks en France um when we were there 20 years ago did they have all that traffic calming in the villages I don't think they did now every village has got like flower pots or designated parking so you have to like slow down and stop and they've prioritized traffic from the other way you know so or or they do this business they do this business where instead of having like just a slow bump that you can, if you hit it at the right speed, it sort of isn't there. They do these ones where it goes up and then it goes level and then it goes down. So there's no option. You have to slow down. I'm not saying I want to speed through French villages. I'm just saying that I feel like in an effort to make you slow down, they're effective, but they make driving just so much more annoying. I, I I also uh, you, you not spent any time in Paris recently. You were aware that they'd done this this like nineteen mile an hour, thirty kilometer an hour speed limit. I had heard rumor, and and uh, so my fear was 
that the whole place it was going to be like everyone had eaten about 15 Valium. Well, exactly. Exactly. Right. Not very French. That was my concern. I, I, I mean, I'm all, I don't want pedestrians to be injured any more than the next man. You know, when I recognize that there's not much to be gained and, you know, the green benefits are dubious, but you know, I, I'm just saying that, you know, I get, you know, moves in the right direction and, and all of that. So I'm not, you know, objecting on principle. I'm just saying that I was worried it would change the character of Paris. But I mean, worried. It seems everyone just drives just the same as they ever used to. Like, it's just the same. Uh, yeah. uh, the periphery. It's not like Dodgems, like Rome, you know, where half the cars on the side of the car have smashed to smithereens. But still. Yeah. Yeah. Rome, it does take some. Uh, Rome does take some getting used to. I remember when I first moved there, looking at the wet cobbles with the traffic going everywhere, thinking, yeah, don't think I needed my jigster here. Thinking, <laughs> think it was all right to leave that, leave that at home. That would have been rough. Yeah. Um, I, so what I was struck by was, uh, was that um, out on the periphery, it was less... The lowest, the lower speed limit. They, I'm not saying because they lowered speed limits everywhere, but the traffic did seem slower on the periphery, and it seemed somewhat less scary than uh, than it had done before. Although I gave the cab driver that we took from the middle of Paris out to Orly Airport, where we picked up a rental, um, I gave him the biggest tip I've ever given anybody on account of the way that he just dexterously navigated traffic. You know, in terms of not in in terms of jumping lines where he could, but not being too aggressive, and in terms of when we drove past the entrance to the rental car place, and as we sailed past the entrance, Dana did what she did to me, which was, oh, the rental cars are over there. Like as much as say, like what? Like you know, I knew they were there all along. What are you doing driving past them, you fool? I should have been driving, right? She did that to him. And Ollie had already been sick out the window of the car, and he'd been really nice about that. So I was like, you know what? You know what? Um, this might be. He, 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 so at the, you know what he did? He, he reversed out of departures and then, you know, across the Chevron bit to get into the rental car bit. It was really some impressive uh, rule bending that earned <laughs> an unwarranted, and uh, I think probably the largest percentage tick. I've ever given. Like <laughs> I was like really well. I was that. I was that. Um, I was that impressed. So we did these twenty-four hours of like motos. Twenty-four hours, they call it. But it's basically like so. It's the Bugatti circuit at Le Mans. Mm-hmm. And you remember how before you go, you look at the pictures and so on. And then when they don't want moving around again, before you go to Le Mans, you look at the pictures and it's the fair and, you know, the glowing brake discs and all of that. And it's only when you get there that you realize that actually it's the motorcycles bouncing off the rev limiters endlessly and the smell of campfires and the fact that you're wet because it rained earlier. And the only way you're going to stay warm is by having another beer. You remember how that's what the actual experience is, right? 
the motorcycles were that and some it it was it was it, it had all of the kind of people who go home you know go go off the track all of those people didn't come to the motorcycles the only people at the motorcycles were the people who'd done things like staple their two euro cup round their necks so they couldn't lose it we saw a number of people with beer cups around their necks, the plastic ones like stapled. So they weren't gonna, there was no way they had to buy another beer, but there was no way they were spending 10 euro to get the cup. They only needed to spend eight euro on that beer. And yeah, my word. Um, the other thing I would say about it was we uh, uh, had a classic Le Mans experience in that we, got to the hotel, checked in, all of that, drove back out to the circuit and a hundred feet away from a roundabout, like two car lengths away from a roundabout where we were going to get into the circuit and park. 200 feet from there, uh, the road was closed. And, and I was like, well, we should find out what's happening. And Danny's like, oh, because she knows that means her, because I'm not going to try and speak French, and she, she, she says, well, with the French. She got out of the car, right, and came back to the car and was like, the cop's not answering any questions. He's just ignoring everybody. So, like, we sit there for about, like, you know, half an hour. Everyone's sitting there, you know. I did set a trend. I went and took a pee in the bushes, and then loads of other people did. So, you know, I... She did demonstrate that little bit of cultural leadership there, <laughs> putting one in. I thought putting one in for the British team there, you know, the first to piss on French countryside, just by the just by the Porsche curves. Just the road was just that's that's exactly exactly where we were. Anyway, it opened up again, and turned out it was really quite lucky because the parking we were going to was actually one of these campsites that were full of. Frenchmen with sports bikes who were just bouncing them off the rev limiters at deafening volume and setting off fireworks and generally the whole thing feeling like the set of a Mad Max movie. I mean, there's there's really it was like Mad Max meets like a Slayer gig when it had rained. You know that was how that was how it felt. So I was so I and so as we basically missed the parking, we're driving away from the circuit. There was some street parking that just came free. So I did a quick U-turn. We got in there. And so we got in that first. So that first evening, we had a little like look around, walk the track, got a lie of the land. Next morning, we got up and I was like, we're not sitting in that traffic again. So we walked, which at the time seemed like a good idea. We'd walk across Le Mans, about our stroll, you know, pick up some bakery. Well, I don't know how well you know Le Mans, but that bit at the beginning of the Le Mans movie, that beautiful town square and the cathedral and all of that, that's the old town, which is in the north. The bit to the south, that's the bit that, you know, maybe you don't yeah, like want industrial to. zones and stuff. It's like, oh, that's, that's where there's the, the, the five story apartment buildings that, that look like um, you wouldn't want to be there after dark. Yeah which only occurred to us as we were moving through them. Well, it didn't occur to me until we were leaving. And Dana was like, we'll get a taxi. And I was like, we're going to walk. She was like, we'll get a taxi. And I was like, no, there's no taxis going to come. Like, what are you? The Uber wasn't going to come. 
anyway so that's but but so so that was that was saturday evening more saturday morning we arrive at the circuit right and as we it's warm up it's already the schedule's late where warm up was meant we were we were going to miss it but actually the bikes were out on track there and as we come in the entrance we're right up on the outside of the end of the pit straight just as they like cut off to get the bike lent over for the swerve before the Dunlop bridge. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and at that moment, the fastest bike, the work Suzuki comes right up and past with like a howl out of this straight Akraprovich. And the guy leans over and Dana goes, wow, that was fast. And that's really it, right? It, it doesn't get, it, it's really that just over and over and over and over mm. again until it blasts you into absolute like oblivion. And that's why you're like, Dana was like, you're going to have beer already. I was like, well, what else are, are, are we going to do? You know, like you, you, you have to like, you know, so we ate sugary food and walk, we walked the circuit, but it was windy. Like, so it was bloody cold. Um, we were out on the back stretch, right? A section that Ollie had picked out because they weren't fast there. Because I we'd looked at the circuit before, and he was like, "Where do you think they'll be fastest?" And I picked this bit of the straights. So we were there, and he was watching them go by. And this old French bloke taps me on the shoulder and is telling me how cool Ollie is to be as enthusiastic as he was, and knowing the different riders and and all of that. So I had a a, a cool. That was uh, a vindicating uh, moment. Um, but yeah, we had like a sort of meltdown of energy about, because the race start, we were at the circuit at nine o'clock in the morning. 10 a.m. was a historic race. And uh, on the front was like, I don't know, a 999 Ducati. But next to him was this replica Schwantz s rad jixa right s rad now there were k5s in the field there were two k1s so k5s are the like you know the pinnacle analog sports bike 160 horse these were maybe 750s right not the thousands but the k1 is the one that like my first bike where the headlights wide for for people who are not up on their jixa law one headlight wide as opposed to one headlight batwing style for the K5. The intakes at the side, the two air intakes, are the dead giveaway for the for the body style. So there were K5s, there were uh there were Ducatis, um CBRs, um, you know, like a nine five four CBR we call it in America. So that's like a two thousand and two and there was um, a CBR F4 as well. So I don't know what the engine capacity was. There was a ZX10, like my 05 ZX10. There was one of those. Well, I say like mine. This one wasn't wrecked, but uh, uh, there was a ZX10. Um, yeah. And they were, to be honest, pretty slow looking in comparison to the bikes that were actually uh, that were actually involved in the uh, in the full on championship racing. And uh, like the electric the endurance world championship they call it and that's uh, that's what they call the uh, the series um yeah so the historic race was pretty good we were in the grandstands for the starting ceremony um 
people singing the 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 singing of the French national anthem was uh, was really cool moment. Um, they run across the track to leap on the bikes before the start. That kind of ruled as well. Um, so that was fun to watch. Um, all round, uh, extremely uh, enjoyable. Um, we walked the course. The wind was howling cold. Um, my family were were uh, pretty, uh, you know, uh, pretty. It was manfully done to survive because um, my word, the wind was cold. And uh, I guess the close of play saw us uh, having walked a lap and being uh, having walked a lap and being absolutely exhausted in the uh, visitor center place being like what are we going to do we don't want to eat more crappy food um or drink more beer those of us that can but yeah I, so we agreed that we would go repair because i was like we just need to be somewhere like out of the noise and the cold and the others weren't too weren't really thinking clearly but i was like you know we need to and i wanted to have something left in the gas tank because i knew that we were going to have to walk back across there where it was only when we left and it and and the other two it came to the realization that there wasn't going to be any taxi or uber and that that was unrealistic and that people were doing things like sleeping in renault clios like whether they folded the back seats down and the front seats forward and were you know people were breaking out the picnic tables on the sidewalk blocking the pavement completely english word and american look at that Blocking this out, like people are like, yeah, breaking out the cheese and the ham and saying, uh, you know, tablecloth. Uh, yeah. No, no, actually oh. not. Quite a, lot of, quite a lot of people at the French services, and I've got to say, I think we may have discussed this before on a previous cast. The payage services, part of what you pay for on the payage is the payage services. And I don't mean the payage services like that are like everywhere services, like, you know, where there's loads of stuff and like you go in and fight to get to the carsy and all that sort of thing. I mean, the payage <laughs> services where there's just lose and quite a big, nice, woody picnic area with little like gravity drives and stuff and lots of picnics, to rest areas and stuff. Because the French are like, well, why would I need to pay for your shitty food? I want to use your nice road. So give me some bathrooms. I don't want to mix with that. I just want to go and have a nice place to relax and sit and listen to the birds. All right, with the cars in the background and have a picnic table. And so they take their own food. Well, I saw more than one people with a bottle of wine and a tablecloth and a nice setup and some pate and something like, well, you've got glorious food. You know, it's a nice part of the world. Why not just even on the side of the motorway? It's pretty nice. You know, it's. Well, yeah. So we, we uh, so, so we had to walk back, didn't we? And then at that point, we had to walk back. Cue griping. Sorry? Cue griping from a, a small no. and large? No, they, everyone was too tired. And then as we moved into a fairly scuzzy area, too scared. And then as we realized that the walking route was taking us the direct route out of town, which was parallel to the railway, but meant that there was uh, probably mile and a half section where it was just a narrow walkway um along the side of the railway track where there was no you know egress right so if anything happened there was you know yeah so so that caused some some fear which was uh imbued which imbued further walking but by the time we got back to the campanile 
both adults were, well, all members of the party were shattered, right? Mm, I can see why. So we sat downstairs, had pizza, and I had a beer because I was, you know, and, and we approached the topic with Ollie twice of not going back. But each time he was adamant that we should go back, right? And he'd had his cherry Coke. So he was all like ready for it. So I was like, you know what? I'm a, you're only here once. We've got to do it, right? But but this is, so here we are with an eight-year-old leaving the hotel at 20 to 11 at night to drive back out to the circuit when we have to come back to the hotel, sleep, get up the following morning, drive back to Paris, drop the rental car, and then be at the airport to fly out. And then it's he with the, the flight is at 6.30 and we're scheduled to get back to the West Coast at 8.50. And then he's going to be in school the following morning. My wife's going to just do a normal day's work that following morning. Well, not a normal day's work, a day's work after the... Anyway, that's how... After a bunch of time off, yeah, no, yeah for but, sure. But if you think of it, right, you, you, you've you got the 6.30 plus the time difference. You've got all that time on the plane. So, you know, in theory, you could be rested. In, in reality, you know, we've all been struggling with the jet lag somewhat this week. But, you know, it was... Uh, it was always uh, it was always going to be that way, yeah. So you get the car, so the get the rental car out of this annoying, stupidly small spots. Why are European car parks designed to be just a little bit too small for the car? It's really annoying. It's really annoying. Why not make them bigger? There's so much totally unnecessary damage. Like you could you could reduce the number of spots by ten percent and make everybody's life tons easier i i don't understand it it's it's really asinine what about the 10 percent of people who can't now park in the town yeah the, the anyway about the other thing about the car park right um no lights pitch black movement sensing go off the moment you stop moving so that's right you get out of the car to check you've parked all right in the spot and the light goes out plunging the whole floor of the car park into pitch black <laughs> i mean talk about making saving a tiny amount of power whilst inducing terror into any lone female or indeed lone individual in the building you know it is just absolutely uh... anyway so we did make our way back to the track and, uh, you know, by that time, right, you know, all the Frenchmen, I say Frenchmen, Englishmen as well, anybody there is hammered, right? Because you've been, yeah. it's so cold that you must have been drinking the beers all day to stay warm. Europop, they've got Europop going, like blasting volume. They've got these, like, French heavy metal bands, kind of like, you know, um, France's answer to Lincoln Park. Um it it is that they've got these bungee things that where you can like get in a ball and then it springs you like a hundred feet up into the air you couldn't bloody pay me to to get on it, it the whole <laughs> the, the whole piece ollie was like we've got to sit in the grandstands so we sat in the grandstands and and as they cut off there's flames out of the exhaust pipe of of the bikes blue flames 
So that's, you know, pretty compelling. And then he was like, I was I was sitting there thinking, how are we going to tear him away? Because a new Dana could go at any time after we've been there for about half an hour. Um, I, I, how are we going to tear him away? And just at that moment, he looked at me and was like, I think I've had enough. I think we can go home and sleep now. And I mm-hmm. was like, ah, rock star. So we did. And uh, the run up to the airport was fine. And uh, all uh, all was right with the world. Cool, man. Well, like, look, it's it's on my list to do that or the ball door or something like that. Uh, I, I want to do one of those. One evening when we were staying in uh, uh, the Loire, I was like, I, I can't take it anymore. These garages I've seen at the side of the road, I'm going to go out and look at some of them. So I, because uh, we passed two that evening, just local to where I was staying. And then there was another one that we passed where I had seen in it a, amongst other things, a Simca 1100 from the 1970s. Um, but what had caught my eye that was interesting was a Renault Safran with alloy wheels on it. And mm-hmm. it was a Monaco and I thought it was probably a monaco but the bi turbo had those wheels on it didn't it and i thought wowie if ever there was a car to buy out of a french junkyard it would be a renault safran bi turbo that would be a thing to uh to have anyway it wasn't a monaco it wasn't a bi turbo it was a monaco and that first evening when i went out i couldn't find it anywhere i couldn't it was further away from the house and it needed another expedition later in the trip to, to find that car. But in the village we were staying in, there was a, a bloke who it was like buying and selling cars. And he had a bunch of stuff like, you know, few thousand euro runabouts at the front. He obviously did accident repair as well, but round the back, it was all, it was, he had a Neuer Klasse BMW 2002 that was like rusting away. Three series of all ages and vintages. He had, um, which I particularly liked, a Renault 1916 valve in blue with the yellow square fog lights and the original alloy wheels. He had a blue, same blue um, Clio it looked, it looked like it had Williams alloys on it. I don't think it was a Williams. I think it was just a Clio 16 valve. But either way, like Mark One Clio 16 valve. Um, two Mazda RX-7s, both Mark IIs. I don't know what the model designation is. Isn't it FA, FB, and FC? But either way, not the first generation ones. The second generation ones, not the really cool swoopy third generation ones. The second gen ones, mid-90s kind of. But two of them obviously something the bloke was interested in and had been uh, had been collecting and uh as i was there taking photos i was thinking to myself you know if you were here i bet you he knows exactly what those cars need so you could come to a deal with him where you bought the car and paid for him to do the work to get it to a stage where you could drive it and see i love that kind of car because that way, only the work gets done that you want to get done. If he comes to you and says it needs a new steering rack, that'll be 500 euro. You just do it. If he comes to you and says, you know, there's a crack in the spotlight and the headlight doesn't work, 
you say fix the headlight and don't care about the spotlight you know you build it your way just like that e55 mm -hmm. i've got the body's terrible still but mm -hmm. mechanically it's great and because it pulled to one side i did all the rubbers steering and suspension and tie rods and all of that so it's tight as you as you like which i was thinking about that story i told on this pod a while ago about um following that um remac over laurelie's gray um if i hadn't have spent all that money on the rubber at the front of the thing I, there's no way that that bends would be as as good as it is i uh yeah never did never was i more grateful that i'd uh that i'd spent that that i'd spent that money so yeah um so that was the one place i looked at other place i looked at was a closed renault dealer and uh it had less interesting stuff it had did you remember um the peugeot 206 station wagon the one that was like it was like a little estate but it was like a three-door estate there was one of those that was completely sound it had been hit on the rear corner and it's obviously an asshole of a body repair and the car wasn't really worth it and they just let it sit there's one of those there was a mcgann convertible which i didn't care about but you know the era of folding hard tops yes you're you're making a rude gesture to it yeah i i, I know i was getting carried away what i did like was there was a green renault laguna now not that era that first era that you and i will will remember the the mark one laguna this was a mark two i never really seen one in super clapped out condition before with missing wheel caps it looked great it looked really okay. good but it set me thinking about renault lagunas because i had that three liter 24 valve stick shift one that was really a great car it really was a, a good car bit 90s and blobby and plasticky you remember how slippy the leather was i don't think i'd uh i don't think i'd still want it now but as a contrast to a bmw 323 which was the other thing i could have had like an early e36 323 it was faster um better mm. equipped more comfortable it was just you know it was just a ton more car and uh and i don't regret i like renault. I, I got, you know you and i both have enjoyed our renault products there um yeah um and for that reason i was just gonna pay some homage to the btcc renault laguna because i feel like they really that land menu spec are we talking here yeah well early yellow early they were on they were yellow weren't they and then later yep. on they went to that nestle blend 37 and those Green era one, of cars yeah. that was like the era of super touring when they were able to get away with like extra wings and that kind of stuff and those blend that blend 37 williams built because they had williams build the cars those williams built um super touring lagunas those are, are just awesome i still think the clamshell bonnet the way the hood goes over the headlights in that clamshell i think that's a really great design feature yeah and, nice you know, touch i'm maybe i'm even saying this because i was watching a salvage rebuilds uk video the other day and they've been to a classic car auction and and the comment was at one point whilst looking at a green r plate renault laguna in similar spec to your red pool car 
of uh, much abused red pool car of many years ago. Um, the comment was, well, I'm not even sure if that's a classic. And it does just go to show, it depends what your use pattern was. Because for me, we we got so much use uh, of that red Laguna pool car, company pool car of yours, that uh, or of, of whatever software house it was you were working at at the time. Microsoft was training you were selling yeah. at that time, wasn't it? But yeah, whatever, yeah, that yeah, Laguna, yeah. fully a classic car. And dude, the other thing that you ought to be bare mentioned here for the for the for anyone who played with their PlayStations and Mega Drives and all that sort of stuff. Mega Drives later than that, but still, um, Toka Touring Car. Toka Touring Car, one of the bastardiest uh, time trials that you had to do. It was one of the races you had to do for Expert, because obviously we used to invest, as you know, me and the Greek and various others used to invest significant time in thrashing around on our consoles, um, was in the rain, on expert playing on at Thruxton in the Alan menu Laguna. Um, that seat that we were playing a season and the final race was to win that, that race. And it was a two race meeting and crane the, those, the, the, the curves out the back are oh, in the pissing Church. rain. Yeah. Well, church. And then when, yeah, before and stuff, those bits, it's so high speed and one mistake. And you're side, you're, you're spinning off towards the tire barriers in the distance and stuff. It's yeah, yeah horrendous. It, that but that back section of Thruxton is British club circuit at its very best. And I was I was naive enough to think that culture existed everywhere. It doesn't. That's only Britain. Um, we really have a special thing with circuits like Alton and Donington and Thruxton and and. These um, yeah, Cadwell, I went to yeah, Cadwell. Yeah. Cadwell is, they talk about it being like the Nürburgring of the North. My God, the, the, it, it, the, there's, there's one turn that's like downhill. And then at the bottom of the hill, it's a left turn. So you're like heavy braking downhill, like a hell of a circuit motorcycle yeah. that's the one you must have is, seen. is that the one with the jump yeah with the wheelie yeah. where you can wheelie over it. whether you can see the pictures of the sports bikes like with the back foot 18 inches the back wheel 18 inches off the yeah. ground yeah. yeah you're actually yeah. a bit faster if you don't lean on it yeah yeah, yeah. it doesn't do stop them every meeting with some picture of a guy in full leathers looking as if he's straight out of a movie poster you know with it I, fully off the ground I actually saw a YouTube I actually saw like a really clippy in my feed kind of thing of some bloke over egging it and the bike going up totally over the top of him like wheelie full wheelie and then throwing the bike Ouch. away <laughs> um the computer game reference is well timed we've been meaning to talk about ross chastain and his war running um ah. fill me in because you sent me the article and i deliberately didn't read it because i was like we'll talk about it on the pod Fill me in with with what you know, and because this was some time ago now, wasn't it? It was. I mean, basically, I I can't remember where I saw it, and, and obviously, if anyone who hasn't seen it, feel free to YouTube it up. I mean, it it was Ross Chastain in the last race. I think it was Martinsville. Um, I I don't know the, the circuit, but it was an oval, as you would expect. But you know, you know, the ovals can be complicated, and he needed to gain. It's the, the TLDR, as you said earlier in the pod, is, is he needs to gain five places. 
and he had essentially one long left-hander to do it and he wasn't going to do it so he'd been playing he he thought back to his days of you know lord cheedy mccheat a classic if you've played any of your uh nat stock car stuff on um on console of choice is to pin it and uh wall run and um he was like well look i ain't making it into the fight the champ four if i don't come fifth <laughs> and uh, or fourth or whatever it was so i need to gain five places so he just on the last the last back straight just went out as close as he could to the wall gunned it um and of course nascar's being nascar's the way those things pick up pace and just kept it pinned and just took his hands off the steering wheel and let it wall run and gained all the places ended up running into the back of the guy over the start finish having just overtaken the bloke he needed to overtake and made it into the into the into the final five so nascar 2k5 i think on gamecube was his selection of choice uh, and that's where he learned it and uh much congratulations even from his fellow competitors who were like wtf did he just really pull that shit off? And unfortunately, NASCAR have said that although that stood, they won't let anyone do it again. They're not going to change the rules, but they're going to use existing rules to essentially disqualify you if you do it again. Which, I mean, I suppose I could see where they're coming from. But on the other hand, it is NASCAR, um, which encouraged rubbing his racing for years. And it was the most exciting thing I've ever I've seen in NASCAR in forever. So it depends what you think of the sports for, I suppose. I think I think it's about the most NASCAR thing ever to <laughs> be like, I'm behind, so I'll try this crazy stunt because you know it worked. It worked on a computer game. It might just work in real life. There's there's something very NASCAR and there's something very 21st century. It's it's really yeah. a. a, a Maybe this is why I wanted to talk about it because it, it combines together this uh, NASCAR pedal to the metal uh, way of being with um, yeah I I think it's a fabulous story I think it's 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 absolutely a legendary moment um, I I you know I I I feel my whole life I want to shake Ross Chastain's hand for for that instant thought could you could you and you did. Like I, that's yeah. that's what what that it paid him. off is perfect. You know, he needed five places and he got five places. He didn't get six, got five. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, what what a, a magnificent uh, what a magnificent thing. Yeah, yeah. I, the the notion of taking your hand off the steering wheel and just keeping your foot in the throttle is is really a, a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because he said to him afterwards in the interview, like, what did you think about it? And he was like, well, as I was doing it, I suddenly thought, what if there's like a little gap? Or what if there's like a door? Or like, what if there's an access thing? Oh, shit. But <laughs> it all it will worked out. <laughs> High five to you, sir. That, is so, that is so NASCAR that you're committed before you're like, well, there could be this or there could be that. <laughs> yeah. It's like John McGuinness saying he doesn't like going around the TT course in a car. Because he's going slow, going that slowly, you notice things, <laughs> obstacles, and things that you don't notice at race speed. Yeah. <laughs> so my uh, time in France was uh, spent with this Fiat 500X, 
which are they probably I think I've got one booked from Bordeaux in a few weeks. <laughs> oh, you have? Oh. Well, I've got a small hatch mini Fiat 500 funny, Renault. You, you, you've, you've been doing the Fiesta ST. You said you'd done the Fiesta ST to uh, um, uh, around uh, to, to Goodwood there. I, uh, I have been doing the Fiesta ST, and I, I feel like driving the Fiesta ST for a little bit. I've like cleaned myself of the experience of the Fiat 500X. Um, <laughs> now, the first thing I should say is that it has 120 horse and it actually does it all right. Does all right with that. Okay. It's better than you would anticipate for that. It's pulls beyond 90 miles now. You know, I don't want to encounter French Mr. Plod. That was enough for me. The speedo, the speed limit's 130 people do 150-ish, it'll do that all day long, fine. We had four and five adults in it, sometimes with luggage, sometimes without. At no point did it feel like too much and overborne and all of that. It was a pretty new car. It had like under 2,000 kilometers on it, like 1,800 kilometers on it when I picked it up. I had about 3,500 on it when I dropped it off. Um, I, you know, I wasn't gentle on it, but I wasn't abusive. Um, you know, I had an Alpha 147 years ago that, albeit I used it on the Targa Florio course, but under gentle usage, that thing developed noises and was clearly just shittily built, let's be candid. Yeah. Um, whereas um, this, this was, this was not like that. Um, you know, I feel like I have a fairly high tolerance for plastic interiors and sitting here now, there's nothing wrong with the interior, but you know, I'm coming from a 20 year old Mustang and, and a Fiesta ST. So, you know, I, I, uh, you know, it's the infotainment, you know, we were looking for like, well, how long will it go before it runs out of gas? And it didn't seem to have that trip computer function there about it, but you know, um, fundamentally it just did the job and was all right. And, you know, I guess the transmission was fine. If it was, if it was that bad to drive, I'd have had more to, to complain about. It just leaves you feeling a little bit underwhelmed and, and disappointed. And, and, uh, you know, I reached out to that YouTuber chops garage. He has a black Jaguar XF three liter diesel sport. It was a one-owner car that's done 160,000 miles, full Jaguar service history, black exterior, black wheels, looks the absolute business, 443 foot-pounds of torque. I, I couldn't help myself. I hit him up on Instagram, 3,600 pounds. And I'm like, ah, you know, I so would if I could really afford to piss money away. But I can't, and the car, I wouldn't need it until if I was going to do Le Mans next year. So I'm like, ah, can't do that car. But in comparison to this Fiat 500, I was just thinking of that Jaguar the uh, the, the the whole time. I was obsessed by the that Renault Clear, the, by the, the Chamade, by the 1916 bow. It wasn't a Chamade, it was a hatchback. I was obsessed by that for a bit to the extent that I went on to a European website, like a European or what's it called? I'll, I'll look it up on my phone, but I went on to um, 
I went onto a website and like it's called Auto Scout Twenty Four. Like, that's apparently the place to look for cheap cars across Europe. I went on there. Um, there's there's half a dozen um, nineteen sixteen valves, and I was looking at them and thinking, you know what, you know maybe they're not as rare as I thought they were. Um, how much horsepower do you think they have? Do you think it had? Take a guess. Don't Google it. Just pull a number out of your ass. I don't know. I mean, the th- the thing that would have made it zippy would have been that it would have been light. Yeah. Not that it would have had lots of... Well, and, and what we thought was, we thought my Cortina 1.6 with 75 horsepower was pretty... Yeah, I, well, I, I was going to guess 85 or 90 about what my, Corte- my um, Sierra 2 litre had. Yeah. Was, was, I think, 90. 135. God damn. It would have been meaningfully fast then. But, but next to your Fiesta, next to your Fiesta ST, this is the. I mean, but the it would have been quick. It would still be quick. I mean, like it would feel fun and fast and like rattle canny and therefore more intense. In the same way as like if you get in a go kart or on a motorbike or on a bit. Now I wish I now I wish I tried to buy it off him. Now you're making me wish I'd tried to buy it off him again. <laughs> but, I mean. But dude, I feel you on the uh, on the cars. I mean, I'll be annoyed in the little dirt box of whatever they give me anyway. But uh, I always want something of the country that I'm coming from. So I'm hoping yeah. whatever it is, it's French, not Italian. I'm hoping it's the Renault uh, or the Park or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I I, I was promised six promised me a Peugeot three hundred eight, and I was keen for that. And they had two hundred eights, but with hindsight, that would have been too small. That is the challenge, especially with like on en, en family, yeah. but like. Um, but I yeah, all, I mean, road, just... all road lead to that black Jaguar. I'm telling you. Well, uh, this is why when I was discussing the French thing with Angie, and I was like, no, I can't bear coming back here regularly, which we will be, and having some shitty ass rental car all the time. And the solution to that is just keep the ST, because <laughs> the ST and have it here. And the ST wouldn't be much, it would be great in the south of France and near the Pyrenees Rose, but it's right, it's left, it's right hand drive. Yeah. I need a left hand drive. So, you know, have yeah. that here, you know, and um, yeah, it's Angie's car anyway, so yeah. she's fully familiar and comfortable and happy with it. So therefore, I don't, I don't want to sell it anyway. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, and, like, and, you know, just and, and the values are gonna, the values are gonna turn. I, I it is a five star classic. Yeah. I mean, I know you said on one of your tweets that I, you know, it's the car's fault. It's like slow. It's a Euro shit box fast. It's sublime. And that is true. And it's not actually crap. You know, it's uh, it like around town. It's just a normal hatchback car. It's just basically fine, comfortable, efficient. Does everything. You know, good MPG. You know what I mean? Like pretty much everything you want. All the electric mod cons, all the bits and bobs. But you are not wrong that when you take it out and you go from doing three and a half thousand revs before you're shifting gear to six thousand revs before you're shifting gear and you're hustling it through the the sexy little six-speed box god damn is it is it a beautiful chest way the way when you turn in you come in the gas and it just hunkers down and as you pass the apex you like exit the turn with it being like what do you mean i could have gone through 20 miles an hour faster 
and you're thinking Pussy. This, yeah, is, exactly. this is unbelievable this is this is suddenly it's gone from being like a boring hatchback to being like a track car to being a car that can hang not just at the nurburgring at spa it can uh, like it can turn in at insane speeds and it feels good yeah. i passed um uh, at spa in the mcgann or the rs mcgann a first generation st well not first generation but like the previous st so the little boxy sort of version of the previous version being hustled around the pedal around there at high high velocity yeah. Um, I, passed him. I passed him and then let him repass because I realized I could learn from his lines. He had, he was quick. Yeah. He had better lines than me and that follow watching that. Cause it was an English registered car, wasn't it? Following mm. that car round, I was thinking to myself, this can really, it can really hang. You know, it really, I, it really, I was having to feather a little bit on the straights. That was all, you know, uh, yeah to to keep him uh to keep him ahead and learn his uh learn his lines yeah all right cool all right so quick fire what's your favorite car right now um i do want one as i say i want one of these alpha quadrifolios um that's quite looming large and then i also at the other end of the spectrum when i was last well yeah when i was down um in france last there was a sort of horrible colored i can't remember what it was a sort of weird maroony brown renault 21 turbo that i quite coveted like my neighbor's ass i quite coveted it coveted it it was it, it's there's a german company that does that we that when we were at the ring you remember that there was that audi that had been done by stance works and the sort of the word the name says it all it sat like a fucking boss like that i don't particularly like the particular audi i can't remember exactly which one it was but god damn it looked amazing what they'd done with it with the rims and the stands and the kit and everything well that 21 sat roguishly at the side of the grave and i passed it a couple of days in a row and thought that is a cool car i would have that yeah i have a super soft spot for I don't know what it is about Renault turbo cars. I have a super soft spot. Um, I love the 21 turbo. Um, I remember the launch commercial. The car was red. They used, I, I feel free. Do you remember that? It was, is it cream? Um, is it a cream? It, it, it was 175 horse black leather interior. I actually have a search of them on on Gumtree. Um, it like pops in every now and again. There's uh, few in Britain, but yeah, I'm sure more in France. Um, also, do you remember when we were at DHS years ago? Helen Marden, you remember that yeah. girl? I, I went with her and looked at a Renault 18 Turbo in. Was that the one where you dolled yourself up in suits and went as it went to test drive it? No, that was a Sierra Cosworth. That was oh, yeah, the, I right. drove a Sierra Sapphire Cosworth with her, right? And we had this whole thing worked out where we acted like we were a young family. You know, it was really <laughs> the Sapphire now is the bargain Cosworth. But that one that I sent you the pictures of at Goodwood, that was 60K, that RS500. Oh, the, the I, I, RS500s have entered stupid territory, haven't they? um the sapphires for me 
what I drove, uh, F plate, gun metal, sapphire two wheel drive. For me, that is the car that that I would would want. And I tell myself yeah, that the Fiesta has about the same power as it had. I tell myself that. And then I was watching Salvage Rebuilds UK and they're at an auction. There is a grey early one there that until they opened the hood and it had all been cheesed up under the hood, um, you know, that car was, was, I don't give a shit if it's got a bad history. You know, those cars have bad histories. Were I a collector, I would have one. Were I, you know, were I able to bring, um, you know, proper resources to bear, I'd buy a nice example of it. And, you know, I'd drive it, you'd drive it, it'd sit right, it'd be in a storage place. We'd have one. We, um, oh, dude, well, I mean, if the, if the crypto does go to the moon, then, um, uh, we could go arms on one because they're not the, the sapphires haven't left the building yet. Harry was at Silverson's, um, classic auctions recently, and there was one, I think, 20 to 30, 20 to 25. The, it was a sapphire cosmos. That's the one in pretty mint. That's the one. That's, yeah. that's the one that you, you'd want because mm. you, you know, and and yeah, you, I would definitely go Arvers, <laughs> go Harvard. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other thing is, the other thing is, is when money's cheap to borrow again, borrowing money to do something like that isn't so stupid because if you only pay off the interest, so what? The car's still going to be worth whatever you paid for it, if not more than that, should you ever need to part with it. So there's interesting jiggery pokery you can do with nice classic cars with shitty ones yeah. not so much but we know well, that and that's the other reason i want the place in france i'll have space because but thrown in is the fact that you've probably got a two-car garage garage whatever you want to call it and the fact that you can pretty easily put a sort of wooden you know outside wallless kind of place in to get another sort of three or four cars in and and whilst you're at it probably dig an inspection pit in there as well so when I went with Helen to look at the 18 turbo, it was mm -hmm. red. It had, it was a Mark one. It had those straight wheels like your dad's. Remember your dad had oh, that yeah. Fuego GTX and it had the same wheels on it. A Renault, absolute, a piece of Renault design genius in my humble. Mm -hmm. When this, yeah. this, this 18 had lost drive shafts, which killed most of those cars, right? Looking back, such a silly thing to lose them for, but it was a asshole job and Devon mechanics weren't keen to work on the car. When it had been moved to the breakers yard, they'd craned it and they'd craned the roof and they pinched the roof. So the roof was crushed in. So this car was in the auto trader at £175. And because the roof was crushed in, I remember the guy saying to me, I couldn't sell you that car. Like, that is not the car for you, mate. And, oh, man, I wish I'd said to him, no, sir. There are, there are many people in Plymouth who can weld and can beat that straight. I am confident in my own taste that one day, many years from now, people will say a red Renault 18 Turbo, that is the pinnacle of Radwood cool. I too don't like red, but I mean, what a uh, talk about, talk about one that should not have. have oh, away. dude, like, like I might have even mentioned before on this thing that 
that the Angie's housemates Renault Five sort of dark silver turbo GT turbo that they had that I could have had off them for about eighteen hundred quid, and I just didn't. I had two didn't have two brass farthings at the time to run together. Um, but uh, Mark II, it was a Mark II, wasn't it? It wasn't. It was like a second generation. I remember the car. Like still, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, I remember that and feeling that because they were ten a penny at the time, it was frustrating. But you had to, but you had to let it go. Um, you know, the other car we looked at around about that period was that bloke who ran the bacon sandwich van near your office. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. Volvo seven forty turbo. Yeah. Those have come into their own, haven't they? And we didn't have it because it had been towing its whole life, and we were put off by that. Like as if we were. We'd also done like 180k or something. As, yeah, as, it, as if we were put off by the fact that it was utterly clapped out. We were put absolutely fucked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, right? Yeah, again, a tragedy that that one that one got away. We should do it. Well, that man made a fine bacon sandwich. Let me give him his due. Let's just pause, right, and just almost have a moment's silence. Certainly from this side of the pond for that man's bacon sandwiches. That Volvo made noble sacrifice towing the towing the wagon which turned out bacon sandwiches of that camera. Nothing complicated about him. Cut cut low it wasn't a cut loaf, he had proper loaf and he would slice the doorsteps off with his with his with his knife, give you a couple of nice bits of a fresh English white tin, crusty tin sandwich there, sir. One piece of bacon in each half of the thing. Nothing complicated, but it was thick cut from a local farm where he knew the bloke. And oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I I would I need an SUV because my son's got this motorcycle now, and you know pickups open. You I live in San, Central San Francisco, of course. So, you need so obviously, I started out sensibly looking at Tahoes, and that rapidly right. degenerated onto government deals websites looking for okay. X police pursuit vehicle tahoes it's two-wheel drive with the motor you could um so i was looking at those and then, and then for, for a while but then i hit upon the most sensible suv i could possibly think of i've long wanted a amg 63 motor and previously i'd thought about e-classes or something like that but but why why not just wrap why not use this as the opportunity the suv as the opportunity to to get the 63 motor ml 63s early high mile ones they're only 10 or fifteen thousand dollars now what what could possibly go wrong what oh, oh nothing what could possibly go wrong with an old hot rod benz that looks like an SUV. Oh, nothing. I, I can't see as anything could cost you more than about Tubbs Hayney to repair on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what with the fact that I have uh, my tame Mercedes mechanic, um, Hugh Winko, <laughs> total shout out, guy's a total legend and knows Mercedes. If you are in the Northern California area, Hugh Winko in San Francisco is uh, is your man. For, for old Mercedes, with him on board, I'd do it. Whenever you yeah, say to him, I mean, uh, should I buy some old, scary, fast old Mercedes? Um, 
he always goes, hmm, yeah. <laughs> and you can see him buying, buying himself another dollar. 15 years of custom yeah well exactly right i know that's what he's thinking but i'm also not wanting to buy something that he doesn't want to work on you know you have to be anyway so my favorite at the moment is the ml63 um you own a chateau in france what's in the stables because, you know, it's a chateau. It's a chateau. Horse. You've got loads of room. What's in there? Just tell me some of the stuff that's in there. I mean, not horses. Several several dirt bikes. Because um, I own now own a chateau and I've got land to ride around on. Um, I'd have a Delta Integrale before they've completely left the building. You can probably pick one up in France and they're all left hookers anyway. Color. So why not? Huh? Color. White nice i think nice gray wheel because then it would look extra cool with the spatters of dirt from the drive up it all the soul all the time yes <laughs> um uh and then at the moment i do a 612 on a stick oh for the international cruising yeah yeah um i would do uh, the bike all of the sports bikes with like nice paving um i would do the most interesting vehicle i saw the whole time i was in france this electric bmw moped i really want one of those i really love to to have one of those so i'd have one of those in the in the chateau um i would do i feel like if you've got a place like that um you uh, well i don't know i'd i'd be inclined to do yeah your imagination runs wild um, let me, as uh, I see the time is is creeping on, um, what is the most air you've ever gotten? What car, when, where, who, where, what, when, how? Either um, that two-litre cut new-edge styled Ford Focus that I had from, from Fastnet before it became Redstone, and the bridge to Bramley, where if you jumped it one way, you might, if you were a, a hypothetical friend of mine, break a TT transaxle, um, <laughs> potentially, you know, that could happen, theoretically. It didn't happen, obviously, because that wouldn't have happened to a company car with the Cisco rep sitting in the passenger seat, you hit his head on the ceiling. Uh, that didn't happen, but it might have happened, but it didn't. But if that had happened, that bridge going the other way, I got about a foot, a foot and a bit. But I told my buddy, who I think is still at Cisco now, um, when he had his Westfield, when we were coming on the back roads to uh, around um, that place we lived at just south of uh, Reading, what's it called? Um, near the uh, the common. Aldermaston. Aldermaston. Um, the road south of there, there was a back road bridge. And I said to Stu, who was fully foot in the floor of that little Westfield kit car that you think he had, um, he had his foot through the firewall, and I said to him as we approached the little bridge, bridge over jump, meaning dude, slow down. And he thought I meant over jump, as in I was repeating things from Colin McRae rally, and it was a joke, and uh, kept his foot in. And we went over the bridge at a rapid rate of knots. Um, and uh, I don't remember, I don't know how high we were, but it felt high. And I remember looking down through the windscreen at the front road, and there was this horrible grinding. And when we stopped after bouncing a bit, um, Stu got out looking pretty worried 
And uh, what it was, was he we'd ground the front number plate against the road as he slid down it like that. And the and car was fine. No problem at all. <laughs> Just some some artistic scuffs to the number plate. So I suspect that was probably the highest. So technically, I was in the passenger seat for that. That is a good story. I'd never heard uh, I'd never heard that one before. It makes uh, stuff like that makes uh, makes doing this uh, this pod feel uh, feel kind of worthwhile. <laughs> um, mine was at your wedding. Do you, or the stag do? Do you oh, remember yeah. I had that Alfa Brera rental car, red two point four liter diesel manual, and the yeah. house you were living in. Douglas Harder yeah. rear seats. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> um, the house you were living in at the time, um, just on the way out of the town, like towards the A four, um, there was mm -hmm. a humpback bridge, wasn't there? Oh yeah, Kent Bridge is part you, of the. Um, if you've yeah. got the angle right if you sort of straight lined it, which you could do at night because you could tell lights weren't yep. coming the other way. If you straight lined it, you could hit it really hard and living there, being with you for a week or so, I got used to driving that road and, and I hit that bridge really hard and, and it felt like, it felt like I was the bloody Dukes of Hazard in that moment. <laughs> right. Um, really it, it was, uh, all right. Um, the best race you ever saw um what well, live some of the stuff at goodwood various races has been utterly spectacular especially at the end of the day on a sunday where the sun's streaming through the trees on the other side of the track down towards fordwater and stuff it's just gorgeous but some of the best races i watched that race i can't remember where it was um but it was in italy where rossi passed um uh, Lorenzo at the last corner and lost the front and the back and caught them both at a corner where it's not a passing place and won the race. That MotoGP race was one of the finest races I've ever watched. MotoGP features in actually for quite a lot of some of the best races I've ever seen. That race between Rossi and um, Stoner at Laguna Seca where he went off into the gravel and it was just past, past, past. The Ducati was faster and Rossi could pass him through the corners but couldn't hang with him down the straight. So Stone Casey would get him every time. And then, I mean, Rossi was knees and elbows and riding the curbs and everything. And it was a real shame that Stoner ran off into the gravel at the end of the lap, at the end of like lap 10 or 12 or something because it spoiled the rest of the race. But uh, some of those races were amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you've uh, you've a good memory for the MotoGP races. Um, I think uh, I, I, you know, what comes to mind? We went to see British Touring Car in the epic period. We were talking about the the Lagunas, and and uh, I I feel like it to see that that was super close racing. I can't remember a specific mm. race. But that was probably the best, the best racing that I've ever seen uh, uh, live. I mean, some of the stuff you remember, Gabriella Tarquini in that um, that Alpha that he used to, that in the pissing rain, he would accelerate his way back straight yeah. with the front wheel drive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, tip of the hat, yeah. God tier I, shit. I'm actually the it, the memory of those. The one five five touring car that thing? yeah. Yeah, well, that was the car that sort of broke touring car, wasn't it? It took them away from narrow body, narrow tire to being like crazy hot rods. The the, the cars really, really changed at that point. But um, yeah, my my memory is uh, um, 
Silverstone when it rained and we got stuck in the field. Oh, yeah. In my Vectra, I just remember my company Vectra and just being stuck in the field and just being like, this is such a Silverstone moment, but so insane. And just for the record, we weren't the ones who were stuck. It was people, the, the, the entrance of the field gets muddy and then people get their cars stuck pulling out of the field. So we weren't stuck. Other people got stuck. We just had to wait for the tractors to come to, to pull them out. But we didn't like leave the circuit till 11 o'clock at night or some kind of craziness, did we? It was totally like... Well, that happened to me on Metallica gig at Donington a few, um, some years later, and I just slept in the car and left the next morning. I didn't even... I just pulled on the handbrake where I was and just turned the car off and like other people pretty quickly realised I wasn't moving anymore and just drove around me. And I think we left at like 8 a.m. the next day. As a result, directly of what happened at Silverstone, I thought, I'm not doing that shit again. I'm just going to check out of this as early as possible and accept I don't need to be anywhere until lunchtime tomorrow. I'm staying here. Good thinking. Good thinking. Best corner you ever stood at? I'll go first. Ooh. Do you remember yeah, yeah, go one day it. we decided to take a day off work and that we would follow the RAC rally in Wales? Yeah, I, I was probably going to come to the same corner conclusion. So and we were like, oh, we'll follow and we'll do this and we'll do that. And we hiked through the woods and we found that piece where we were standing, where when the first, like when the Colin McRae's and so on came through, they threw stones at us. And we made the great decision to cross the road not realizing that there was ditch on the inside. And we were like scrambling up the inside when Bruno Sabi came by like as far away as I, he must have been three feet away from us as we were struggling up the bank. Uh, what a, a yeah. moment. In, in I remember standing there thinking, I can't get out of the way here. I'm just going to have to get, out, get as far back as I can without falling down this ditch. And he came past with the headlights on us and drifted past us. Within two or three, yeah, feet, yeah. Because before that, you were canking and sprayed us with gravel. That was why we moved. Thinking, oh wow, I just got sprayed with. It was like gravel. it was like yeah, because we were still on the outside. Yeah, so Sabi came through, and I remember then we attained the top of the bank. We were there for a little bit, and then no other cars came through. And we were like, oh, yeah, ah, and we walked up the track, and then there was that Subaru halfway down the cliff, held in the trees. Yeah, yeah. It rolled down the thing, got stopped by the saplings, didn't it? And uh, rolled on down the hill, yeah. Well, that was pretty intense. I was also shitting myself. Well, yeah, because it was all dark, always dark. Oh, <laughs> so dark, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 That's that's the, the thing with... Maybe that's what's changed about motorsport, is that the, um, there was a wildness about what could happen, wasn't there? And that made it... Um, that made it attractive. Makes it. Attractive. Yeah, I mean, we made some dumbass mistakes in terms of what we did for that, but nevertheless, um, and also these days, everyone's carrying a torch and a camera and a video recorder and a tracking device and all that sort of stuff on them, which of course we didn't have. Well, lucky we can tell the stories, Mark, and that's a nice way to wrap it up, isn't it? Because uh, I'm going to end with a thought that you were talking about visiting um, Modena. And uh, you know, Ferrari is a interest is a guy full of interesting 
quotes and thoughts and so on. And remember, at the end, Ferrari's great fear was losing the memories. That was the fear, forgetting what was. So, uh, yeah. So on that note, we've preserved what has been of our recent history. Mm -hmm. um, see you next time. Take it easy, bud. <laughs>